Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. God bless you, Thrive family. I hope you're enjoying your Sunday wherever you are. Um, as we have gathered just our, our team um, here in the sanctuary, um, we have felt, I have felt that virtue is flowing through this service today. So if you're out there, give some hearts and some likes for our worship team, because I believe that God is moving through our worship experience today, and he's going to continue to move through whatever medium. Thank God we live in the 21st century, where even though there's a pandemic, you can have church in your home, in your car, in your office. So whenever you're experiencing this, if it's this Sunday morning with us live, or if you're catching this throughout the week, God is moving through this ministry today. And so I hope that you are blessed and that God transforms you in the way that you need to be transformed. Um, I am back from a short vacation. Lori and I celebrated 25 years of marriage together. It was so great. Uh, we are glad to be back, but just uh, love my wife, and, and we got 25 at least more to go, right? And she'll still be looking good. I might not, but she's a Christian, so she'll love me anyways. She fears the Lord, right? So um, we're just glad to be back. Also, I hope that you have enjoyed your Thanksgiving. We pray you've been uh, safe and blessed and that the food was blessed and um, that we are absolutely grateful for who God is in our lives and what he's doing. And he's not done. Um, 2020, we're going to get in the rearview mirror in just a couple months. But I'm telling you what, we're going to look back at 2020 and be grateful for what he did and what he showed us and how he revealed himself and how we're different now. We should be better. When the dust settles, we will be better in Jesus' name after 2020. So I want to continue the sermon series, Our Finest Hour, as you go in your Bible. to so Joshua chapter 3. This sermon series is a response to 2020. And what I believe God is calling the church, this 21st century church, this, this church of 2020, 21, 22, and going forward, the landscape here in, for the church in America has changed before our very eyes. And God has handpicked this generation to engage new territory with new challenges, with, with, with new personalities in front of us, with new cultural mores in front of us. God is doing something new and he handpicked you and he handpicked your children and your children's children to engage the hour. And instead of the church being inhibited or becoming bitter and resentful or becoming isolated or, or becoming fearful, I believe God is calling us to engage the moment. This will be our finest hour. If we can engage the hour, if we can engage the day with the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the power of the upper room and with wisdom that comes from his word, we are prepared for this season. He's up to something good. I got like 12 people here. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. They're loud for 12, right? All right. So I believe that going to the book of Joshua and, and I think the Holy Spirit just had us fall into this series. We're going to do a couple of weeks on Christmas, but then I think we're going to come back to this at the beginning of the year, the book of Joshua. Now, just to kind of set the stage here, if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, um, this is Joshua denotes a new season for Israel. They've traveled for 40 years in the desert, 
a generation has passed away in the desert. God was pruning. God was preparing. At this point in Israel's history, even their leader is dead. Moses has died. He's fulfilled his role. He was not to enter the promised land. He passed. And now it's Joshua's turn to lead the people of Israel into a new place. And what God has done, if you go to Joshua chapter one, later this week, if you haven't been with us, God exhorts Joshua and he gives them very um, uh, clear terms. He says, be strong and courageous. And I believe he's speaking to his church today that we're to be strong and courageous. We're to be unyielding. We're to dig our heels in. We're to, we're to engage the, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're to be strong and we're to be brave. God has called us to be brave. Not uh, to, for, He's called us to be uncowed or, 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 or to, be, um, to address the times. Not to pretend it isn't happening, but to face it head forward and confront it. Not to, not to isolate or to be hindered or to be scared or to be nervous or to be anxious or to be an undercover Christian. Now's the time that I believe we're to be strong and courageous, just like Joshua was told to be. And, someone say and. Thank you. And he said, be strong and courageous and do not depart from the book of the law. So there's an attitude, strength, and courage. And then there's a law, there's a standard, there's a rule. There are clear guidelines how we're to navigate this new territory. I believe that Pastor Maribel did an amazing job when she went to chapter two and she discussed the encounter that the spies had with Rahab, just an amazing job, that she did teaching the value of going where God calls you to go and being on the same page with him. And it doesn't matter where you start, it's how you finish. The story of Rahab is powerful. And what was going on is the spies, Joshua had sent spies out because they're, they're, in, they're about to go into the promised land. He sends out some spies to check, out, check it out. And they find this fortified city. Joshua said, be sure to check out Jericho. This fortified city, that's where they meet Rahab. And they come back with good news. The good news is, they didn't, they didn't really talk about the walls of Jericho. They came back and said, the people are melting in fear. Surely the Lord will give us the land. I believe that that promise is as sure for us as it was for them. Surely the Lord will give us the land. So here begins the new journey, the new journey of the new generation of Israelites, the, the kids and grandkids, because their parents and grandparents passed away in the desert. A new generation of priests, of spiritual authority, and a new generational leader in Joshua is about to embark. And so in Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, we're going to read, they begin to prepare themselves for the promised land and the engagements, the conflicts, the encounters they are sure to have. Before you read it, you can keep it up, but... Understand that we are sure to have encounters in this new territory. There are, there are new fortified cities. There are new commanders. There are new generals. There are new principalities and authorities. There are new armies. There are, again, new cultures, new languages being spoken, new ideas, new spiritual thoughts that we will engage as the people of God. 
And so Joshua has them get prepared. Joshua chapter three, verse one through five says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. And they said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 3,000 feet between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Verse five, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do what? Amazing things among you. See, I believe that we are navigating the new terrain. This is our finest hour and we are navigating new terrain. This is new territory. And I wanna give you some principles by which we navigate new terrain. There are some rules we can go by. There are some handles I shared with you. Sometimes Lori's a really good driver, but every now and then I think she's too close. So I grab the, the handle and, the, and the, the dash in front of me. We got to hold on to something as we go through new territory. And this is new territory. And we didn't ask for this, but it is what it is. We didn't, we didn't hope for this. This wasn't the plan, but it is what it is. So how do you and I as husbands and wives and sons and daughters and fathers and mothers and neighbors and coworkers. How do we navigate this new terrain? Well, God gives Joshua direction. Friend, you don't have to make it up now. Go to the word of God. The word of God gives us good counsel, how we engage a new territory. So we're gonna, we're gonna look at four principles that God gives Joshua Directions, God gives Joshua. He speaks through Joshua and leads through Joshua how you navigate new territory. The first one, the first one is critical. Number one is follow God. Don't try to lead him. Follow God. Don't make this mistake of trying to lead God down the path you wanna go. God knows best, so don't lead him. Follow him. Look at what verse Three says, the directions to the people were, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and what? Follow it, follow it. One key principle to navigating the new territory is that we are to be followers of Jesus, not leaders of him. And we can't get ahead of God. God has perfect timing. Timing matters. We can't start to make things up. This isn't a time for improvisation. This is a time to follow the leader. And God had instructed the people of Israel, you don't go unless I go. You don't move unless I move. You're safe when you're following me. You'll get into harm's way when you're following yourself. When you expect me to catch up with your agenda, you're going to pay a price. And Christians do this all the time. 
Believers do this all the time. They'll worship God on Sunday, and then they'll kind of want him to worship them the rest of the week by doing what they want him to do. We have to get in sync with his steps. Now more than ever, this has always been the case. This was the case in Joshua's time, and I'm telling you, it's the case today. You don't want to move unless he moves. And it doesn't matter how good it looks where you want to go. It doesn't matter how much it might make sense that you get in that relationship or you take that job or you relocate. It doesn't matter how good it looks to you. Take it from someone who is almost 50, 50 years old. I'm old I've, been, I've been in Christ my whole time. I have, I have wondered at times, God, why didn't you do this? God, why didn't you give, us, give me that? Why didn't you give us that? And he knew all along what was best, not just for me, but for those who were closest to me. And it takes faith to wait, to wait on God and let him move and let him show us the way. Critical, timing is critical. You don't want to be ahead of him. See, we gotta stay close and follow closely after him. I read a story of of an old farmer driving his pickup with his wife. They've been married already like 40 years, way more than Lori and I. And uh, the wife looked at him and said, we used to drive, when we were in the pickup, we used to be close together and you used to put your arm around me. And he looked over at her and said, I ain't moved. She was the one that had moved down the, down the bench, right? We gotta know that God is always there loving on us. He's all, he does not move from out of our reach. And our goal in life is to be so close to him that we move in sync with him. When he goes left, you want to go left. Even if left looks scary. Can I get a witness? Even when it looks scary, when he goes right, you go right. Timing matters. And this is why the second point principle is that divine direction is necessary in new territory. We need to hear from God. When we're parenting our children now with all of the, the, the uh, influences, with all the things they're bombarded with in school, on TV, through social media, we have got to ask for divine direction. Verse four said, then you will know, someone say then, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. We need to be led by God. We need to be directed by the Holy Spirit. We got to move when he moves because he's showing us a new way. And can I tell you something? This is the people of Israel, who the children and children's children of a generation that couldn't figure out the way. So they walked in circles and circles and circles. A trip that should have been a short trip took 40 years. God was not going to allow them into the promise and they couldn't figure out the direction. They couldn't follow directions. These children needed to understand they can't do it like their parents did it. They can't, or else they'll be in the same mess. 
He said, be strong and courageous. When your parents were cowering and crying and complaining, you be strong, you be courageous. And while they created new false gods to worship, he said to them, do not let the book of the law depart from you. It's time for a new direction. No more circles for you. No more wandering for you. No more being abused by the neighbors for you. No more making promises and breaking promises for you. No more uh, wanting to do right, but not having the fortitude to do it. This is a new time that requires a new direction. And the truth is, you don't know the way until you get it from him. You don't know the way. You, some of us have wandered in circles for most of our lives and God is calling you to stop and to listen and to get a new direction. So the timing matters and the direction matters. Don't go till he goes. Don't be running amok. Don't just get the latest fad and jump. Unless he moves, you don't move. And you gotta go where he goes. There's a new direction for us. How do we get that direction? Well, number one, number one in your notes at home is the word. We have to become a people of the word. We have to be a people that reads the word, that gets the word in them. You have to go to the scriptures because the word hasn't changed. The influencers will change Styles of leadership will change. Ethics around you will change. Right and wrong has been, there's almost like there is no right or wrong anymore. So that changes in the culture. But the word of God doesn't change. We have to be a people of the word and the word of God will direct your steps. We need direction in our lives. It's the word. We also get it through prayer. By listening. Someone say listen. Listen, friend, if all your prayer time is talking, you only got half of it. You got to listen to. Go ahead and share. He says to make your petition known and, and to come boldly in. And he listened to your heart's cry. But then listen. Some of us just kind of let it all out and then walk away. And all we did was have some like cathartic emotional moments, some momentary emotional release, but we haven't listened. Like we haven't heard. And so we gotta stop and we gotta listen. And when his voice matches up with his word, move. Go. Let the, let the truth, he won't ever tell you something that isn't in concert with his word. And if you go to the word and you listen to that still small voice and he's saying the same thing, he's telling you to which way to go. We also get direction from godly counsel. That's why being in community is so important. That's why Thrive Groups are so important to us, and we'll relaunch those in 2021. And it's important to have godly people around you that can speak into your life. And, 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 and maybe you're wrestling with something in his word, or you're wrestling with something in your spirit, and then there's a dear brother or sister that you respect because they've been faithful to the Lord. And they, they affirm what you're hearing. They affirm what you're seeing. Godly counsel and godly examples. It is wonderful to have friends who do not know the Lord so that you might influence them. But make sure you also have, and especially have, 
godly friends where you can see how are they raising their kids? How are they faithful to their church? How are they handling their finances? How are they dealing with the pandemic? Following, finding good examples. Some of the, the most influential people in my life never wrote a book, never spoke at a conference. You wouldn't know their names. They were regular church folk living, doing regular jobs, but had a faithfulness that impacted my life. I looked at them as examples. Friend, this is not the time again for improv. We need divine direction in new territory. And the times, they are a-changing, and we need to hear from God. Number three, and this one might catch you off guard, but I think it's critically important. And I have a feeling that some people are going to hear this, and they're not going to like it. But I'm going to ask you to pray on it and go to the scriptures with it and, and wrestle with it. But number three is do not lose your holy fear of God. Don't lose your holy fear of God. See, God had spoken to Joshua, and he said, be strong and courageous, for I will be with you wherever you go. Right? Right, Right, 12? Thank you. Right? You okay? So God is for him. God is for Joshua. God is for the people of Israel. God is for their exploits. God already knows Joshua's walls are falling. God already knows they're going to take the land. He is for them. He knew Joshua before he was born. He's for them. And yet, look at verse 4. As the ark goes before you, keep a distance of about 3,000 feet between you and the ark. Do not go near it. The ark was the physical expression of the presence and power of God. Now, there is no denying God loved the people of Israel. There is no denying that God loved Joshua. There is no denying that God, God's heart and will and, and, and plan was to bless. But he gives them some instruction here that I think we have lost in 21st century Christianity. I believe that one of our greatest sins is becoming too familiar with the holy, being too casual with him. Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10 says this. The fear of the Lord, the what? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the holy one is understanding. What is the fear? What is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. Although God was for the people of Israel, he didn't want them getting too casual with him. Oh, he loves them. Oh, he's going to fight for them. Right? He's going to cause their enemy to scatter. But don't get too familiar. What I think many Christians have done now, and it's the, probably the fault of, their, of those, whoever's teaching them, is that they've turned the line of Judah into a kitten that exists for their pleasure. That sole existence is to make them happy. When Lori adopted those two kittens, which 
God bless the person who took them from us. If you're out there listening, thank you for taking, because I'm not a cat fan. But I realized I'm almost 50, and for the first time I actually watched, this is kind of weird, I watched two kittens play, and it was cute. And, and I still didn't want them, but it was cute, and they were adorable. But then they grow up, right? And they're not so cute. I think that some Christians have been taught that God is, instead of a lion to be feared and to be, you know, respectful with regards to the power that they have, they've turned their, their God into a kitten. He ain't a kitten. They've turned their image of God into a kitten that exists to make them happy. You know what the problem is? Here's the problem. You don't respect a kitten. And a kitten doesn't call the shots. A lion will keep you at a distance. A lion has authority. Even, even an, a, a, a lion at the zoo has authority. Right? Like, okay, I ain't getting in there with you. I'm going to admire you. And we stand there and we, 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 we're in awe and we take pictures. And when they roar, we're excited, although we're a little scared. Is this glass going to hold, right? So we've, many, many American Christians have turned the Lion of Judah into a kitten and they disobey the Lion of Judah all day long. They've lost their way and they've become the God who exercises authority. And when the word of God, the words of the Lion of Judah do not make them feel good, when the word of the Lion of Judah When the commands of the Lion of Judah do not line up with their own personal philosophy, they disobey him because they've tried to tame him. Now, here's the problem. God isn't diminished because he still rules and reigns. But then we wander in deserts and we can't take the city and we can't put our enemy to flight because we hold a kitten instead of a lion holding us. We must keep a holy fear. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord causes us pause. What does God think? And we don't fear him. Are you still with me? Some of you turned it off, but for those of you who are still with me, for those of you who are still with me, we don't fear God because he's uh, evil or fickle or unstable. We fear him because of his power, because he is all-knowing, and ultimately his will will be done. If the seraphim, these angelic creatures, fly with wings over their eyes and wings over their feet, crying, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, then who are we to diminish his holiness? If these angelic creatures fear him Reverently, who are we not to? In this new territory, let's regain our holy fear. Let's understand he he, he is Abba Father, and the term Abba is a familiar one, kind of, sort of like Daddy. But can I tell you, if you call him Daddy, call him Daddy, sir. Let him hold you and be in awe of this all-powerful holy one who dares to hold you. This holy, pure, almighty God 
who is willing to lift up a broken, fallible, sinful person. Love him as the Holy One of Israel. And if we can glean that wisdom, then we will navigate the territory, understanding that this, this, this powerful, um, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, always-been personal God has a way for us to get through these times. To be aware he knows your heart. And to stay teachable and impressionable. To stay like a child. You see, we as children are learning things. We're children of God. Are you with me? My, my nephew, when he was little, he was really smart. And he was at church, and, and the teacher had some candy. And uh, the te- he said, I want one. And the teacher said, what's the magic word? Now, do you know what the magic word is? What do you think it is? Please, please right? She wanted him to say, please. What's the magic word, Evan? And Evan looked at her and said, abracadabra? <laughs> That's what he thought the magic word is, right? His mama needed to teach him. She did a good job later. He thought abracadabra was some magic word. That's actually funny, by the way. So we as children, we are figuring things out. And what God sees very clearly, we still need to be taught. And to have the wonder and the awe and the respect of a child for a teacher is critical for you to navigate the season. To not pretend you already know it all because you don't. I don't. My goal is to walk closely with God. And while other people do whatever they do, to hear from Him. Not be cavalier because I've pastored here for 16 years and, and God has built a strong church and so I already know what to do. I don't know what to do in a pandemic. I need to hear from God. How do I raise, I raise two adults they're adults now, two children as adults. They're doing great. I have two more coming up the pike. And the world has changed from the last eight years. God, how do I, how do I teach them? I'm not going to be cavalier with this. I need you to show me. The last principle I want to share with you is that we need to free ourselves from distractions. Free yourself from the distractions. Now, this will make sense if you listen for just a couple minutes. Joshua chapter three, verse five. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourself. Now, typically this, most of what consecration was for them was a washing. Consecrate yourself meant go and wash yourself and wash your clothes. Again, a symbolic, a sim- listen, a symbolic exterior act signifying an internal posture. I'm preparing myself. The Holy One is doing something. The Holy One is doing something. He says to him, for tomorrow, consecrate yourself for tomorrow. Tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Get ready, get ready. 
As you wash, you pray. As you wash the dust from the desert off of you, you prepare yourself for the promised land. The reality was that this was a generation that had been taught a thousand ways to do it wrong. And they needed now a posture. God is going to do something new. Something amazing. Something that will be lauded through, throughout for thousands of years. Something that will be recorded and remembered and learned from and celebrated. That God led the Israelites into a promised land with every obstacle against them, with nothing for them except a covenant from God. Outmatched people that were entrenched, powers that were entrenched, powers that knew the lay of the land that, they, that the people of Israel didn't know. And instead of God telling Joshua, train him in some new military tactic, sharpen your swords, sharpen your spears. This day, this day, the day before the first incursion, this day, instead of learning a new military tactic, go and wash yourself. get right. Stop fidgeting with the tents. Stop making noise with your swords. Stop messing with your campfire. Go and watch because I'm going to do something amazing. You're not going to do an amazing thing. I'm going to do an amazing thing within you, within you. Something you could not do. Something you are in, incapable of of doing something that if every star aligned just right, you would still fall short. I'm going to do something amazing among you, so wash yourself. Wash the dirt. An outer expression of an inner working. Repent of your sins. Be cleansed by the word. For those of us now New Testament Christians, be cleansed by the blood. Confess our sins and our distractions. Let's start to get those things that are wrapped around us untangled. Let's stop being distracted by the things of this world and simply consecrate ourselves because this God that we fear reverently is on our side. And he is holy. And we covenant to move only when he moves. And we covenant to go only which way he teaches us to go. And we will not take him casually or too over, overly familiar. And we will wash ourselves. Wash the world off of us. We want to have clean hands and a pure heart. Because God does amazing things for those who are qualified. And it isn't a qualification of some righteous act. The qualification is submission. The qualification is faith. The quali qualification is surrender. Surrender to the point where I'll lay down that sin. I'll, lay, I'll confess that attitude. I will repent of this failing uh, mindset. I will confess that I have doubted. I will confess that I have an addiction. I will confess that I have pride. That is all that qualifies us.
is a confidence in the one who can forgive. And so we examine ourselves like Joshua's people and we prepare because he's going to do something amazing in this new terrain. I want to pray with you and then I want to just sing this chorus one time. Lord God, I pray for everyone in every home that is looking across the land and seeing this new territory, that we would grab a hold of your word. Make us stable, resilient, reliable, dependable, steadfast. Make us wise and discerning. Lord, let us be humble and teachable. Let us hold on to your word that teaches us how to navigate this new territory. Friend, will you worship with us for just a moment today? Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.